Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're a Bible-based church out of Peterborough, Canada, and together we're on a mission to reach people who are far from Christ and see them become devoted followers of Jesus. This week, we will consider how we can make a difference in our community and in our world. God has called us to impact our community as salt and light, but sometimes we're not exactly sure how to get started. With that, let's turn over to Pastor Nathan with part four of his message series, Make a Difference. Good morning, everybody. Awesome. Great to see you. If you haven't been with us, we're in week four of a message series called What's next? And we're kicking off the new year, 2022, by asking the question, what's next? And as I said last week, you may be thinking, oh, he's going to talk about what's next in the pandemic. And of course, as I said last week, uh, all the way along, I've been guessing wrong. So you don't want to ask me to tell you what's coming next, when we open up, when things return to normal. Uh, I haven't got a clue. You may be thinking, oh, maybe what's next with the building? And so many of you know, we purchased a property last year and I'm out of breath from carrying that TV. Just breathe. And uh, so we bought a building and we've got an application gone to the city and we're waiting for different things and working with engineers and architects. So all that stuff's happening in the background. We're excited to get that going this coming year and uh, excited about that. But that's not what we're talking about either. What we wanted to talk about through this series in the first month of the year was how do we take our next steps in our faith and in our walk with Jesus? How do we continue to grow both spiritually and in our relationships? Because honestly... One thing the last couple of years has taught me is that there are many things in this life and in this world that are out of my control, more than I thought. The government's out of my control, the weather's out of my control, the economy's out of my control. I thought my family were within my control and then they became teenagers. We got a bunch of those. Uh, so I thought, you know, that I had more control than I had. And this last year's really teaching me to depend on God. And the one thing I can control is my investment in my relationship with him my investment in my relationship with my wife, my kids, and our church family. And so there are some things that we can do, some steps that we can take, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what the conditions are in the economy or the world or what your health conditions are, there are some things that you and I can do. There's some steps we can take. So here's what we've been talking about through the series. Step number one, we talked about marking the moment. So when you receive Christ into your life and heart, the first step you want to take is to mark that moment. And, and in the past few weeks, we got to see 10 baptisms, people going through the waters of baptism to say, hey, from this point forward, I'm living for Jesus. My old life, my sins, they've all been buried in the water and I'm beginning a new life. I'm part of a new family. I'm part of a new kingdom. I belong to God. And it's so powerful to mark the moment because as you continue your journey of faith, you can always point back to that moment and be like, right there. That was the place. That was the time. It's super, super important. So we talked about that in week one. Week two, we talked about finding freedom, learning to live in freedom. We said this, that you are more free than you know, that what Jesus did on the cross was enough to set you free from your sins, all of them, to set you free from your past, to set you free from addiction, to set you free from strife. All of the things that we deal with, he has set us free, but we have to learn to walk in that freedom. And so even though the chains are broken off us, sometimes we hold on to those chains. We're constantly tempted to return to old ways of living and thinking and being. So the rest of our lives, we continue this journey of finding and discovering freedom. And some of you have discovered a lot of freedom and some are just getting started. But the good news is for freedom, Christ has set you free. And whoever's in Christ is free. So we're going to walk in that. So that's step two. The third thing we talked about was discovering purpose. And last Sunday, we talked about how God has created each and every one of us with unique gifts, talents, abilities, opportunities, personality. And you may be like, oh yeah, I know I'm a snowflake. I'm different than everyone else, whatever. But it's not whatever. And we learned last week that God has placed you and me in a body, in a community. 
And we have gifts, talents, abilities, and resources that other people need. And when we use them for others, that's when we begin to discover the thing that God has created us to do. And if you took nothing else away from last week, I hope you remember this. That you will never discover your purpose, which all of us want to. You'll never discover it while living for yourself. The fastest way to discover what God created you to do and who he created you to be is to start serving and loving others. Because in doing so, your gifts begin to shine. In doing so, you begin to realize the things that really, really matter. So we want to discover purpose. And then today and next week, I want to talk about this fourth thing, making a difference. Today, I want to focus on making a difference outside of our church community. Next Sunday, we're going to hear a video message by a pastor from Sweden. It's phenomenal about impacting the next generation, about moving across generational lines. There has never been a day, at least that I know of, when the world that I grew up in is so different from the world that my kids are growing up in. And you know this, the advent of technology, smartphones, connectedness, different apps, and throw in the pandemic, which changes everything. And so the world they're growing up in, the world we grew up in is often very, very different. And we're talking about bridging that gap and, and being a church of generations. So excited about that. So we're going to talk about making a difference today outside of our community. Um, uh, for, for, so, for some of you that were uh, around a number of years ago, uh, we began an initiative called For Peterborough. I've got a little logo here. And some of you remember that. How many of you remember that? Throw your hands up. Okay, a bunch of you remember For Peterborough. A little over two years ago, we said, hey, we want to be a church that's for our community. And not only do we want to be for our community, but we want our community to know that we're for them. And there's a big difference. We want our community to know that we love them. And so we began an initiative called For Peterborough. It's really language and culture about being for our community. And what we wanted to do was create some large events that we as a church could do and help support to, to love our city, but also encourage individuals through their workplace, their neighborhoods, um, to make a difference in their community. How many of you want to make a difference in this lifetime? Let me see a show of hands. Okay. About 80% of people want to make a difference. I love that. I love that. For those of you online, you just put a little thumbs up. Like, I want to make a difference. And, and here's the thing. I believe that God has created every single one of us with a desire to make a difference. I don't know anybody who wants to live their life and at the end of it go, I made no difference. I didn't love anybody well. Nobody's going to miss me. I've left no mark on this world. Nobody wants that. I believe it's something God has wired into every person. That's why you see celebrities, sports stars, billionaires, people who receive, uh, achieve the pinnacle of success. What do they do? They stop and they look around, they go, all this fame, I got all this money, I can do whatever I want. I think I'm going to help somebody. And they start foundations and they start donating money and they start helping. They pick a, a need and they begin to serve. Why? Because God has created each of us. We'll never be fulfilled until we're serving and making a difference in our community. And God has wired us that way. So it's not a Christian thing. The desire to make a difference isn't a Christian thing. It's a made in the image of God thing. It's everybody. And for me, I want each and every one of us to make a difference in the world we live in. But I also want to make a difference as a church family and as a community that we together uh, can make a difference. You know, unfortunately, in our culture today, um, the church isn't always viewed in, in the most positive light. I know some of you know this, but you know, many people, many people are more familiar with what the church is against rather than what the church is for. Would you agree with that? I think that's often true. Like if you're telling somebody you go to church, they're like, oh, you're one of those. Like, what do you mean one of those? Right? Like they, they have something in their mind about the church and, and they often know what the church is against. They would say, oh, I know what you stand against, but they don't know that the church loves them, that the church is there for them. And so they believe, they believe, next slide, 
They believe that the church isn't for them. I don't belong there. Do you know how many people I've talked to? And I've said, hey, you should come out to church. They're like, oh, no, you wouldn't want me there. God wouldn't want me there. I'm like, what what are you talking about? Do you know what I do? Do you know what the things I've done? I wouldn't belong there. And I'm like, have you met our church? We're just a bunch of people that are trying to love and follow Jesus. Like, we've got our issues and we're like, (laughs) but people believe the church isn't for them because the church isn't for them. And unfortunately, again, um, what we're talking about today is a posture thing. Okay? It's a posture thing. Now, how many of you know what posture is? Okay, most of you know what posture is, the way you stand, the way you move, right? And uh, many uh, of us have probably been told to fix your posture. I see a bunch of people straightening in their chairs. They're like, oh, yes, good reminder. We need to be reminded, right? Because we're like sitting there at the desk and you need to kind of like sit up, straighten your back, get your shoulder. So good posture is important. But how many of you know that when you're interacting with other people, your posture matters. People see your body. I've been in restaurants and you call the waitress or, or the waiter over. I know some of you probably experienced this and you ask like, Hey, can we get a bottle of ketchup for our table? And it's like, (sighs) yes. And I'm thinking, I don't want to give you a tip for that. It's, it's a posture thing. It's like, What that person is saying with their body language is, you're a problem for me. You're trouble for me. And I don't think we recognize sometimes how much our posture communicates to people. Uh, There have been studies that show that your body language actually communicates more than your words. And it's the way you say something and it's the posture with which you say it. A few days ago, I was in an argument with my daughter in the living room. Some of our kids were there. My wife was there. And it just got a little heated. And I was just like, I said something that was 100% true, and my daughter started to cry. And I should know better, but I'm standing there, and I'm going, or I'm sitting there on the couch, and I'm like, I said, what I said is true. And my wife turns to me, and she's like, it's not what you said. It's the way you said it. It's the posture. And how many of you know posture matters? All right, so turn, if you're, if you're watching with someone, if you're in the room, if you're watching with somebody, just turn and say, fix your posture. My, my parents used to tell me sometimes, <laughs> my parents used to tell me sometimes when I was growing up, they're like, fix your attitude. Same thing. Fix your attitude. See, it's like, but dad, I'm doing what you told me to do. He's like, yeah, but it's your attitude. It stinks. Fix your posture. And what I want to talk about for a few moments today is our posture towards those outside the church. Last week, we talked about serving and loving one another within the church. But our posture towards those who aren't in this room, the people we work with, the people in government, the people at city hall, the people that we, our neighbors, the people that are in our lives, like those people, our posture towards them matters. Let me share with you a couple postures that we can have towards them. And then I'll show you a couple postures they can have towards us. Here's, here it is. Here's a posture that we can have as Christians towards those outside the church. Hopeless. What a godless city. We should just huddle up in our church building. We should talk about Jesus, preach to the choir, care for each other, and just hope that Jesus comes back and saves us from these people. That's a posture that a church can have towards the community in which they live. I would suggest it's not a good one, but a lot of people um, have felt that, and it shouldn't be. Here's option B. This one, I think, much more closely resembles Jesus' posture towards those who are not in the church. Hopeful. This city is full of people that God loves and cares about and made and has a calling and a purpose for them. Let's, as a church, get out of the four walls of our church 
And let's show them the love that we've received. Let's share with them the good news that we have. Let's make a difference in their lives and help point them to Jesus. Like, isn't that a very different posture? And can I tell you, depending on which one of those you embrace personally, people around you will feel it. The people at work will feel it. The people you go to school with will feel the posture that you have. And unfortunately, uh, when you talk to people outside of the church, outside of the faith, outside of Christianity, they've got all kinds of things they think about us and the way that we are. And some of them honestly feel this way, disgust. What a bunch of judgmental do-gooders. They tell me how I should live, how I should act. They're against this, they're against that, they're against this lifestyle, they're against this action, they're against this. And all they want to do is be right. There's a lot of people that feel that way. And most of them feel that way because they've had an experience with church or with church people in which they experience that posture coming from them. Are you guys with me? <laughs> Anybody feel a little convicted? I do. Because I'm, I'm going, which one do people feel when they meet me? Which one do they feel when they attend this church or have an interaction with somebody who calls Pathway Church home? Like, what are the, What's the posture that they receive from us? I hope it's this. I hope it's the second one. Wonder. Where they might think to themselves, I'm not sure what this person believes, but whatever it is, it's real to them, and I feel their love, and I feel that they're for me, and I want to learn more. I, I don't know, but I want to learn more because I feel the posture of them being for me. And I wonder sometimes what I'm giving off and what our church is giving off to our community, and I want it to be that we are for them. And, and here's the thing. Um, when I think about this, I wonder, I ask myself the question, who needs to change their posture first? Who goes first in this scenario, right? And I think the answer is that we go first. That as a church, we must change our posture towards those outside the church first. For an example of this, I turn to John 3.16. How many know John 3.16, right? It's the most famous Bible verse. And by the way, it starts with the word for, which I just think is amazing. For God, what? So loved the world. Now, when I was a kid, I grew up in church and they told me, do not love the world. And they weren't talking about not loving the people, because this is where we get confused. The world in- includes all of creation and includes all of God's people that he created in his image. So that's the world. But the world is also a way of thinking and being and an ideology. It's against God. And so you have to define which one you're talking about. For God so loved the world, he's talking about his creation, but also he's talking about all the people. And he's like, God so loved the world, he wasn't going to imitate the world, but he loved them. That he what? Gave. He gave his only son and whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So here's what's incredible. God so loved the world that was against him, fallen world, sinful world, that he gave his only son. He gave everything because he was for the world. Do you see it? His posture is like, I want to save. I want to heal. I want to help. I want to deliver. That's his posture because of his love for us. And sometimes we begin to get this idea that it's like us and them, you know, insiders, outsiders, church people, non-church people. And, and I understand that language. But who did God love? He loved sinners and broken people. I love this verse in 1 Timothy 1. And this is uh, Paul writing to Timothy. And he says, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save who? Let me ask that one more time. He came into the world to save who? Sinners. And then Paul, the great apostle, the one who would give his life for Jesus, the one who would be imprisoned and beaten and do all these incredible things for God, he says, of whom I am the foremost. Paul's like, before I was an us, I was a them. 
And I'll do everything in my power to help save them. I want to share the same love that I received from God. I want to share with those. And he went all over the world and he preached to people who would beat him and he preached to people who rejected him. And he just kept going because he was for people because of what God had done for him. So God's frame, his posture towards sinners, towards the world, towards the city of Peterborough is this. I love you. I came to save you. I'll give my life for you. And the real question is, is that the posture that our community would receive from us? That's the aim. That's what for Peterborough is all about, is to have that kind of commitment. Now, you may think to yourself, wow, this is a new thing, you know, a New Testament thing, being for our community. I want to share a passage of scripture that's really cool. It's found in Jeremiah chapter 29. I'll give you the context first. God had delivered his people from Egypt. They got established in the land, the promised land, and they had kings that ruled and reigned. They built the great city of Jerusalem. They built the temple. Like they, it was just incredible. They, but the people turned away from God. They were unfaithful. The kings were unfaithful. And God allows the great nation of Babylon to invade. The walls of the city are destroyed. The temple is torn asunder. There's nothing left. And the people of Israel, many of them are scattered and many of them are brought as essentially, you know, slaves of war to Babylon. And that's the context. And what we're going to see is Jeremiah the prophet speaking the words of God to Israelites, God's people who are exiled. They're in a land that's not their own, right? They're under Babylonian power and rule. And here's what he says for them to do. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel to all the exiles. Let me stop there for a sec. Did you know that the New Testament teaches that you and I are exiles? That we live in this world, but our home is with God. Our home is in heaven. Our home is, we belong to another kingdom. We live in the kingdom of this world, but we we have another kingdom. And so we are, in a sense, living as exiles in a foreign land. Does that make sense? And so in the same way, he says, to all the exiles whom I've sent in exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, here's what he says for them to do. Build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce. Now, if you were dragged off by a power that destroyed your home, destroyed your family, your center of worship, and you got dragged off to that country, and you were placed there, there's sort of two options that I think would be very natural for us to do. One, option number one, would be fight the power. Option number one would be to rebel, like get like a group together and we're going to fight and we're going to get back to our homeland and we're going to reestablish and we're going to like fight against Babylon, right? That would be option number one. Option number two, if you didn't think you could do option number one would be, we're going to just huddle to ourselves, us Jews living in Babylon, and we're just going to like circle up and we're just going to wait until God delivers us and we're out of here. And that, those are kind of the two options that they had. And yet God speaks by the prophet, he's like, build houses. And live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce. He's like, I want you to continue to live your life while you're in exile. Build houses, plant gardens. You don't plant a garden if you're expecting to leave tomorrow, right? You just don't. He's like, I want you to live amongst the Babylonians. I want you to settle there. You know, throughout history, churches have done two things. They've revolted and fought and created wars much to our detriment. And they've also huddled up in monasteries, like build walls, and then we'll put Christians in the walls and keep every, keep the bad, bad world out. And we're just going to... So we just naturally do these two things. And many Christians today, in spite of what's going on in the world around us, are like excited to get out of here. I've had many people say, hey, the end is here. It's finally here. And I'm thinking, maybe. Maybe Jesus is coming back tomorrow. Maybe he's coming back in 100 years. 
I don't know. And people say, but look at what's going on in the world. Look at the government. Look at the one world and all this stuff. I'm like, yeah, I hear that. I, I read the book of Revelation. I know what you're talking about. But almost 100 years ago during World War II, I would have looked at the Bible and went, the end is here. And many Christians did. So we don't know. So what do we do? We continue to live our lives. We continue to be faithful. And, you know, for, for centuries, really for millennia, people have been predicting the return of Christ. Did you know that in 500 AD, there was a, there was a scholar, a biblical scholar, that predicted that Jesus was coming back in the year 500? And he calculated that using the dimensions of Noah's Ark somehow, with a mathematical formula. He's like, year 500, Jesus is coming. And so all these Christians were like, ready to go. And nothing happened. In the 1800s, uh, Charles Taze Russell, I think the founder of Jehovah's Witnesses, he was like, Jesus is coming right on this day. And then he didn't show up. And he said, well, Jesus appeared invisibly. <laughs> it's perfect. I, I wish I'd have thought of that. That's amazing. It's like, covered his ground, right? And then on and on and on. You can go through There's an entire Wikipedia page listing throughout history all the people that predicted Jesus' return and obviously failed. There was a book written in 1988 called 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Returning in 1988. And at the end of the year, the author wrote another book, 89 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming in 89. I'm not kidding. He wrote it and sold it. There was no, no, Jesus is coming in 1990. I was around for the 90s. Jesus was like, no, I'll wait. Uh, <laughs> the, the big hair. Oh, it was, it was a good decade for me. The end is near. So historically, churches are either going to fight or they're going to withdraw. And, and that's not what God is saying for them to do. That's not what Jesus told his disciples to do. Let's go back to our text. He goes on to say this, build houses and live in them, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage. What he's saying is invest in your family, continue to move forward, continue to do life. I know you're in exile. I know it's not the way it should be. I know there's something better in your future. In fact, a few verses after this, he's going to say, I have a future and a hope for you. And God has a future and a hope for you. But we, we got to continue to do our lives. And then he goes on to say this, uh, that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there and do not decrease. And this next verse is the one I want to land on, which I think is so cool. Here's what he says to the nation of Israel. They're living under Babylonian rule, slaves of war. And he says, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Let's stop there. Seek the welfare of the city. Did you know that wherever God has placed you right now, God wants you to seek the welfare of the business you work at, the people whose lives you get to touch, to seek the welfare. If you live in the city of Peterborough, seek the welfare of this city. If you live in Lakefield, seek the welfare of Lakefield. If you're watching online from somewhere else in the world, you have been placed by God wherever you are. And God has called you to seek the welfare of the city and the place and the people where you have been placed. This is powerful. And then he says, and pray to the Lord on its behalf. This, over the last couple of years, I have had to be reminded of this so many times. Because I'm human, and there have been moments where I'm sitting with a close friend or my family, and I just start like, oh, if I were the prime minister, if I were the premier or the health minister, this is what I would do. My thing would actually make sense. And I just like, I start spewing, and then I'm like, what am I doing? I'm not, I don't, I can sleep at night because I don't have to decide for millions of people what they should do. And I'm just reminded of the weight that these people carry. And whether you agree with them or not, God doesn't say to criticize them. He says to pray on the Lord, pray to the Lord on their behalf. And I have to be reminded myself to stop. My, it's easy to criticize. It takes faith and love to stop and pray. And that's what the church ought to be doing. 
praying. Did you know that the nation of Israel were told to pray on behalf of the Babylonian government, the one that destroyed their temple, ripped them from their homes, killed some of their family members? And it's like, pray for them. God, are you serious? And the people hopefully obeyed and prayed. And Nebuchadnezzar, the same God that destroyed all their stuff, God would get a hold of him and use him. And God had a plan to bring Christian men like Daniel into the court of Babylon to influence world history. So God's got a plan. Our job is to trust God and to pray. Our job is to seek the welfare of the city, the community that we've been placed in. Is this making sense? This is what we're called to do. Jesus said it this way. You are the light of the world. That there should be something about the posture in which we care and love for our community that turns people to Christ. And so uh, today what I want to do as we kind of begin to wrap things up is I want to ask this question. How can we, how can we make a difference? Because when I look at our city, and I love, I love this city. I've been in the city of Peterborough for 23 years. I've never lived anywhere longer. And I love this city. I love the community. I love everything. I love the people of our community. And, and when I look at it, I'm sometimes overwhelmed by all the needs. Like in our community, there are, there are kids showing up to school every day without food. And that breaks my heart as a dad. There, there are kids without mothers, kids without fathers, kids that... There's, there's people who are caught in drug addiction. There are people, families without enough food. There are people without jobs, right? Like as I look at, there's, there's just so, there's so many issues. Uh, I, I received a letter from, from Youth Unlimited. They were saying that there are over a hundred people living outdoors this winter in the city of Peterborough that aren't even in a shelter program. They're just living outdoors in our own city. So when I see the needs, when I see what's going on with the mental health of adults and teens alike, I'm just like, where do you even start? The need is so big, right? You guys with me? It's like, it's so big. And it, and it kind of makes me think as I ask, how do we make a difference? I'm reminded of Monday. How many of you were out shoveling on Monday? <laughs> Wasn't that fun? Snowmageddon is what I'm calling it. And I remember I went outside. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go shovel. And I got all my gear on and I walked out the front and I opened the door and I'm like pushing the snow. And I opened the door and, and it's like, I just start shoveling. And by the time I got off my porch and down to the first vehicle, the snow had drifted up and was about this deep between the vehicles. And I'm just looking, I'm like, halfway through, I did, my back was hurting, my arms were hurting. You know, I have a desk job. And, uh, and I'm, I'm out there and I'm, I'm shoveling. I'm just thinking, and, I'm, and I'm seeing all my neighbors and they're all just standing with their shovels, look at that glazed look in their eyes, like, how? How are we going to get through this? And I thought to myself, okay, I want to stop, but... The trick is just to take small scoops and just keep going. And if you just, one step at a time, one shovel full of time, you can, you can move a lot of stuff. And I think that's the answer. I think that's the answer when we look at our community. The needs are too big for any one of us to meet, but we can do something. We can do a small step. We can help somebody in one small way. And by doing that, and if all of us do that, progress begins to be made. A difference begins to be made. I have to be reminded sometimes uh, that you can't help everyone. And I've tried at different times in my life to try to help everyone, to try to help too many people, and then I'm fried, I'm burned out, I'm tired. Uh, we were talking about this in our small group this week, and someone was reminding us of the, you know when you're in the plane and they give you the little spiel that we all ignore? And they're like, in case of an emergency, masks will fall down from the ceiling, and when they do, what do they tell you to do? Put yours on first, because you're no good to anybody if you're passed out on the ground. And so it's so, it feels so weird to take that mask and your, your kid's gasping for air and you're like, okay, yes, 
and then you help them. But we are tempted to try to help everybody, but the truth is you can help someone. You can always help someone. So you don't want to try to do too much, but you have to do something. And sometimes we look at how much there is to do and we're overwhelmed, so we do nothing. Wrong move. Do something. Do something small. Begin. And you know what happened? I went out there and I just kept going. Stretch out the back, work on the posture. Shovel in the snow, one scoop at a time. Move this vehicle up six inches, shovel some snow. Move it back six inches, shovel some snow. The neighbors came out. We started helping each other. Neighbors are helping each other to clear. And we finally together, working together as a group, got all the driveways cleared in the area around my house. And I walked inside the house and I was all sweaty and I sat down on the couch and grabbed a coffee and I was like really proud of myself. Like we did it. Anybody feel like that when you finish? Like, yeah. And then the snowplow came by. And I could have sworn it said Omicron on the side. I was like, Omicron! It just like pushed this four foot drift across all the driveways we just cleared. And I'm just like, here we go again. Right? Anybody felt like that lately? Yeah. <laughs> and so I went back out. And what do we do? Shovel full, one at a time. Got mine cleared, helped my neighbor get hers cleared. We went over and began to help a new neighbor just moved to town from out of town. And I'm helping uh, them. And they're like so thankful. It's like, no problem. This is what we do. And they're, and they're saying to me, it was really cool. They're like, hey, your kids came over earlier and helped us shovel our driveway. That was so nice of them. I'm like, oh, that's great. Because uh, I wasn't around when they did it. And he's like, yeah, yeah, their kids are so nice. I'm like, thanks. I'm thinking, way to go, Jess. Um, I literally thought that, but I didn't say it. Um, and, uh, and then the next question, of course, he's like, so he's like, what do you do for a living? It's always gets so awkward, right? So I'm like, oh, I'm a, I'm a pastor. I'm a minister. He's like, oh, like Christian. Uh, yeah. And he's like, that's why your kids are so nice. <laughs> but isn't it true? The people in our community do, like when they find out that you're a follower of Jesus, they do, they're like, there should be something different. Isn't that right? Shouldn't they expect that? And, and we want that to be the case. We want there to be a difference in the way people see us and view us. So uh, as I wrap up, I want to share one little video and then I'm going to close things out. I, I got the chance this week to go out for an hour uh, with Dave F. Grave from F. Grave Towing. And it's been a crazy week with all the snow and the cold weather. Uh, he's been working around the clock and I was just like, hey. Let me just track with you and see how you're loving people in the community. So check this out. I'm out in the truck with Dave Afgrave from Dave's Towing. And uh, we're just cruising around doing some calls, helping some people out. And I wanted to chat with him a little bit about our city, the needs in our city, and then, uh, you know, how we can each do our part to, uh, to make a difference in our community. There we go. How's it going, Dave? It's going good, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're out on some calls. And, uh, yeah, Dave, you get to see the city in a way that a lot of people don't. Here. I do. Um, <laughs> Late night, early hours. morning. It's true, all, <laughs> all hours. hours. Yeah, yeah. You were telling me this morning you're boosting cars in the cold and people just <laughs> giving you hugs. Sure, it was. <laughs> They're just happy to see somebody to get them going. And... <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and so we're talking at church just about how we make a difference in the community, and you know, sometimes people think it has to be big things. You don't have to be anything big for people in the community in Peterborough. Um, people just want to see somebody that's real, yep. not false. Um, they want some kind of a hope. They're looking for a, a true hope, not a false hope. Yep. And they're just looking for sincere people. Sometimes we think it's always the big thing, you know, the big thing you got to do to help everybody. But, man, 
A booth. Small, yeah. Booth door a car. Unlock, a booth. Yep. Shovel uh, in somebody's driveway. Shovel in somebody's driveway. Showing or, up. Yeah. Yeah. So picking, picking up somebody's coffee at Tim Hortons on the drive through <laughs> that are behind you. Yeah. Um, is just pay it forward. Yeah. And that's all somebody needs to pick them up and go, wow, somebody cared. Yeah. Yeah, it makes a difference, doesn't it? Certainly does. <laughs> oh, that was fun. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. You know, obviously the last, uh, the last number of weeks, I know uh, we've been praying for uh, our doctors and our first responders. Sometimes the tow guys, they get forgotten, you know, out in the middle of the night, pulling people out of ditches at the, uh, you know, at the uh, scene of accidents and everything else. And uh, so I thought it'd be fun just to, sh- to share that with you. Um, I guess the point of all that is just to say that it's the little things that really do add up. And it's our posture and the way that we love and serve our community. It's so important. Let me tell you about a few things that we're doing as a church, just to remind you of these things, because they're often forgotten, and then we'll, we'll pray and close things out. Um, over the past uh, number of years, uh, back when we started the Fort Peterborough Initiative, one of the things we did was we partnered with One Roof. And some of you know One Roof operates downtown Peterborough, and they provide meals for those who don't have food. And so uh, before the pandemic, we had volunteers going down through the week and actually preparing the food. But as a church, we were donating money to resource the food supplies. And so throughout the pandemic, even though we haven't been able to volunteer, we've continued to send money. We've continued to partner with them. And so we're, we're part of that, uh, which is really awesome. Uh, we've been sending additional funds uh, just in the last month to uh, Youth Unlimited, Brock Mission, and the Kawartha Food Share. Um, again, one of the things we decided a long time ago as a church is that we weren't going to try to meet every need in the city, but we wanted to find great organizations that are doing great work and support them financially, support them with volunteers and prayer. And so we continue to do that in our city, which is awesome. Uh, one other thing that we have coming up um, next week, we have a packing event on Saturday. So I think there may be still some spots. And uh, so if you go to our website or to our Facebook page, you can find the link to register. And you can go with a small group of people and package food that will be used um, to help those who, who really need it at this time. So we're trying to do what we can, but at the end of the day, uh, it takes each and every person taking steps to posture themselves, to love our community, to do the small things. And as things open up, we're going to continue to look at ways that we can impact our community as a church on a big scale. And uh, we're excited about what is ahead. So I guess I just wanted to remind you of something that we all know, uh, that Christ is for us. And I don't know about you, but the fact that he loved me while I was a sinner, while I was pushing against him, it it mattered. And it's changed my life, and I want that for the people of our community. And if we can posture ourselves in a way that we love and show love to our community, it'll make all the difference in the world. So can we do that? Uh, Again, next Sunday, we're going to come back, and we're going to hear about investing in the next generation. I really want to encourage you to to come and hear that message. So let me pray. The band's going to come up and close us out with a song called History Maker. And this is a song that I remember back in in my teens. It was a delirious song, just amazing, about wanting that desire to want to make a difference in the world, to do something for God that that matters. And so they're going to come and finish us off with the bangs. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you for this morning, for everyone online and everyone in the room who's joined with us today, as we look at the scriptures, as we look at the posture that you have towards us, help us to be a church and help us to be the kind of people who love and serve our community in ways that matter and make a difference. Lord, we're so thankful for what you've done for us. Help us to share that love with our community. Help us to be a church that if we disappeared, our community would would notice. Help us to be the kind of church that when people see, they go, we don't know what they believe, but we know they love us. So, Father, would you help us in this way? 
And Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here, maybe for the first time or watching online, that they would sense the love that you have for them and receive it today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, that's what wraps it up from us here at Pathway Church. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please check us out on our website, www.pathwaylife.com. And of course, on all of our social media links, Instagram.com forward slash Pathway Life Church, Facebook.com forward slash Pathway Life. And if you're in need of prayer or care, PathwayLife.com forward slash care. Hope to see you soon. Have a great week. Bye.